Welcome to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Gomes. And I'm Anna Cash. Here, we come together to bring you a podcast all about preserving food safely, easily, and dare I say perfectly at home. We are master food preservers, moms, wives, and we love talking about canning. We've decided the world needs a podcast that shares up-to-date, modern, safe information about canning, dehydrating, freezing, freeze-drying, and more. We answer listener questions, teach beginner and intermediate techniques, and share our very best tips for preserving successfully. We'll show you how to find trusted recipes, sources, and more so you never have to second-guess your preserving practices again. Ready to can like a master preserver? Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny, and I'm here with my co-host, Anna, and she is going to educate all of us on how to start a local grassroots seed-saving movement. And by the end of the episode, you're going to know why the heck you should save seeds in the first place and what that has to do with food preservation and the steps you need to create a seed-saving movement in your community what it costs, and she's going to share her favorite resource for saving seeds. So Anna, let's dive in. What is a seed exchange or a seed swap? Okay, I'm so excited for this episode. I feel like I say that about every episode, but seed saving is something that is really simple to do for the most part. And being able to connect with your community and save, sell, exchange seeds is one of the coolest events that I am a part of every single year. So for me, I'm part of the Ogden Seed Exchange. And the purpose of our group, there are four individuals that are a part of this. And we just give our time and energy to educating the public and creating free events to learn about seed saving and we create workshops. And then we also have one big event a year. We call it the seed swap and people come from all over the state. It's the largest seed swap in Utah and they all coalesce in Ogden, Utah. And we just get together. There's usually around five to 600 people that show up for it. And it's a free event and it's just so cool. And I'm going to teach you how you can do it in your neck of the woods. Anna, that is incredible. So listeners, this is the first time I'm learning about this seed swap project that Anna is a part of. And let's just uh, reintroduce you, Anna. You're not only a master food preserver, you are also a master gardener. Is that correct? Yeah, that's true. I did the Master Gardener certification through our local extension office about, I want to say 11 years ago. I wanted to start a school garden at my kids' school, but I had no idea how to start a garden. And I convinced the principal to pay for me to go do the Master Gardener program. And she said, sure. So I think it was maybe $200 or something like that. And she she paid for me to go to this event. And during that time, a friend of mine who started the Ogden Seed Exchange offered to give us seeds to start our school garden. Mm. Um, at the time, we were really good family friends and his kids were also going to the school. So he had a vested interest in getting really 
amazing local seeds that were acclimated to our environment into the hands of kids and growing food at the school. Awesome. Okay, so what are your steps to create a seed saving movement in your community? Okay, so I don't know if you remember or if you are a part of this at all, but during 2020, Mm. I, I mean, everything kind of shut down, right, during the pandemic. And what happened is a whole group of people all over the world realized that they would possibly have to grow their own food, cook their Mm -hmm. own food. And it was kind of like this revitalization of old homesteading practices that people were having to figure out. Well, what happened is everybody jumped online and they started buying seeds. And within a month, and this is in March, 2020, which is really the beginning of the growing season in North America, And a lot of seed companies ran out of seed. You couldn't find seeds very easily. And during that time, we were like, oh my gosh, this is going to be it. We're going to save the world, you know, (laughs) not not necessarily save the world, but this is the answer, right? Like local seed exchanges are the answer, right? Wow. That was your time to shine. Yes. The Ogden Seed Exchange has been, we are in our... 13th year. Um, and I, I became a member with them about year five. So I've been working with them for a long time and I just absolutely love it. And so anyway, during COVID we, you know, had a, a masked event and it was more, we didn't have our big seed swap. What we did was we had a table outside of certain businesses and we were just giving away seed packets, doing that type of thing, you know, because we couldn't have this indoor event with 500 people. It just wasn't going to happen. Right. But you still have the opportunity to share and swap seeds, even in the middle of a pandemic. We found a way to do it. Awesome. So what are the steps that you go through every year to set up this seed exchange, the seed swap? Yeah. So we, when we were first getting started, there were two people, two, two men, Greg Batt and Dave Wolfgram, and they decided that they really wanted to create a seed swap or a seed event. They had read about, Greg had read about it in Canada. It was called CD Saturday and it was That's held cute. once a year. And people would come and and buy seeds, exchange seeds, whatever. So they decided, you know what, we're just going to try it. And they had an event at a local coffee shop. And this is important for those of you that are just starting, that you can start really small. It doesn't have to be a big production or cost money. Usually, you know, you can find maybe a library or like I said, they did it at a coffee shop and I want to say like 40 or 50 people showed up and they did hardly any marketing. Wow. But you just never know who in your community is interested in gardening, seed saving, all of that. Mm -hmm. So it's important that when you start your seed exchange or your seed group that you have about three to five individuals with some seed saving knowledge and they're enthusiastic and they're committed and motivated. You can even start with one or two core 
I don't know, seedy people, (laughs) excited people. And it doesn't have to be a ton of people. I think having, you know, three to five core people is really important. And having people with different skill sets, different personalities, but with that one goal in mind will make it so that you're really successful. Many hands make light work. Yeah. The second thing that I think will set you apart if you decide to create a local seed movement is that you want to make your information, your classes, your workshops free. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people out there that want to charge for everything. I don't know if you've gone to anything, Jenny, like markets or things Mm -hmm. like that. And I feel like I'm getting nickel and dimed for everything. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. I think that's great advice, especially if if that if you begin from the very beginning with that being the expectation that it will be a free event and it's purely going to be free, I think that's uh, a good way to go forward for sure. Uh-huh. And then you have to decide really like what type of event you want to create because there are tons of really large seed companies that will want to donate lots of seeds. Oh, and that's great. We did that a couple years, Baker Creek you know, would send us seeds or Johnny's or high mowing. But in the end, what we decided is that we really wanted to focus on hyper local seed savings. So people that are in Utah or in our zone, we have one company that comes down from Idaho. Well, that's Mm -hmm. not true. We have two that come down from Idaho because we're in Northern Utah. And we just wanted to focus on really small companies and people that had a similar mission, mm-hmm. which is to have open pollinated heirloom varieties that are adapted to our climate and are in their like fourth, fifth, sixth year of being saved and grown because seeds are really intelligent. And every single year that you have them growing in your environment is just time for them to adapt adapt, adapt, adapt. Because if you get seeds, and maybe you know this, maybe you don't, if you get seeds, say like a beautiful kale or something, most of the seeds that you'll get for that are grown and harvested in maybe Washington. And they're the ideal conditions. There's an amazing amount of moisture and it's a pretty easy growing cycle. But if you have seeds that are grown here in my climate, I'm in a high desert with hardly any rainfall. After you grow that a few times here, the plants will adapt and understand that they don't need as much water, they don't get as much water, and there's definitely a lot more sun and heat. So just creating adapted seeds uh, is super important. That is genius. And probably a lot of people wouldn't necessarily have would think that by saving and using hyper-local seeds, you're increasing the potential success of your garden, right? Like you're, you're essentially getting smarter seeds, right? Exactly. Exactly. And you're getting stronger seeds. So like when I go to save my seeds, and you also save seeds for the best quality in your garden. So you're not saving every single seed. You're saving like the best of the best. So uh, my best tasting tomato, my best tasting kale, my best tasting celery, carrots, whatever you're saving seed from. That 
lived and thrived in your area. Yeah. Yeah. That just the very nature of this is hyper local. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really how it should be. Every single region should have its own set of seeds that does really well. Even as you're going from zone to zone, there are differences, right? Like I may be the same zone as somebody in Salt Lake, but they may get more precipitation. Right. They may get higher temps in the summer. You know, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's just a little bit different. Right. That's amazing. So keep going. Tell us more. So you get three to five motivated people. You get a location that's like a library or a coffee shop, maybe an outdoor location, and you want to try and keep it free. What's next? Like you pick a date. How do you go forward from there? Yeah. So you'll want to pick a date that's early enough in the season that people could start seeds after they come to the seed swap. So for us, Ours is always the last weekend in February. It's February 25th this year. And then from there, after you do that, you'll just want to network. You'll want to network your butt off. It helps to have three to five different people who have three to five different groups of people that they know, businesses that they're affiliated with. I know in our area, the people in our group, Mary takes like, the north end of town and the valley and mm. I take downtown and Greg does out west and we spread out, right? And we hit up businesses. We um, have been doing it long enough that we have flyers that we do and we just tweak a little bit every year for you know the date or maybe some of the artwork or something. And then you just talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. <laughs> What are you asking the businesses to do? To make donations or to come or what? So you can do both. So we have one way that we pay for the space that we use now. We're in a gymnasium and they charge a really nominal amount. I think it's like $75 or something for us to use Amazing. the event space. Yeah. So we have raffles and raffle prizes at the event at the Seed Swap. So anything that's garden or food related, we Mm. encourage that. So we all hit up local businesses. A lot of businesses love having it as a tax write-off. They also get in front of five to 600 people Mm. that are very interested in in their company, right? So they're gardening gloves or potting soil or yeah, they're donating stuff gardeners are interested in. Yes. So we have, you know, like a local IFA or Cal Ranch store. We have local restaurants. We have crafts people, people that, you know, sell honey or do cutting boards, all kinds of stuff, coffee shops. Got it. So they've been really, really great. It's important that you have somebody in your organization and and it doesn't even have to be like somebody that's a core member. But if you're like, hey, if you notice somebody that's like really influential, always has lots of friends, loves to talk to people, say, hey, is there any way possible you could find five businesses that would donate something for our local seed swap? You know those people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's yeah. like one in every group. They're friends with everyone. <laughs> right. Those are the people you need to hit up. And now a quick word about our courses. Want to learn more about canning? Check out our video courses. Anna's beginner and advanced canning courses are available at smarthomecanning.com. 
and Jenny teaches a variety of courses, including the super fast steam canning course at startcanning.com. Use code POD25 to get 25% off those courses today. That's code POD25 to get 25% off today. And then after you just talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, then what happens next? The big day comes? Yeah, the big day comes. Um, for us, we usually go from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. And we tell people to come early for best selection. And we have people lining up before the event even starts, like showing up at like 930. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, trying to set up tables and chairs. And oh, one other thing I would say is that we did contact our local Master Gardeners program. And it's a really fantastic way for them to earn community service hours. That's part of the program for the Master Gardener program. That's a really great way for them to earn hours. And they usually are in charge of talking about the extension office and the gardens there. And then we also have a kid's table that they're usually in charge of. Got it. And then the day of the event, we just have music playing and Tons of people chatting. We have a local coffee shop that donates coffee and hot chocolate at the event. It was actually the coffee shop that we held the first seed swap in. They've just been a huge proponent through all these years. So they still donate coffee and hot chocolate for like 500 people. Oh, how nice. So can you tell me who is bringing seeds? Is it just every and just an excited gardener or is it more semi pros or who's bringing seeds? It's mostly people who have big gardens. We have people that specialize. So like I have a guy that comes up from Price, uh, Utah, and that's about three hours away. Mm -hmm. And he brings all his tomato varieties. He's like a tomato guru. So he's hundreds and hundreds of tomato seeds. It's really just a smattering. We have people who are specific like medicinal herb growers. We have just like really all kinds of people. And a lot of people think, oh, I can't come. I don't have seeds to trade, but just come. You can buy seeds. They're usually one to $2 a pack. We have some, you know, with some more rare varieties where you know, they're asking four or five dollars for a pack. Mm -hmm. But it's just so much fun. It's so cool. It's such a neat event. And you get all kinds of people. You get really hippies, you get gardeners, you get, I mean, people that are starting their garden for the first time. Mm -hmm. It's just such a community building event. I can't say that enough. Like, if you're feeling like depressed about the world, go to a seed swap. Everyone will be so excited about life. <laughs> yeah. It's just so fun. So who do you think the seed swap benefits the most? I would say everyone. <laughs> I mean, I really think the seed swap is for anyone. Yeah, we, we of course want to encourage the next generation of gardeners and growers because like a lot of things, gardening and those skills and the education sometimes gets pushed aside in the way of 
I don't know how to explain it, but really just like technology Mm -hmm. and staying inside has really caused a drop in the amount of younger people that are gardening in the world. And so, so these events really encourage people to get outside to garden and to save seeds and close that loop of supply chain issues that can happen. So there's this famous quote by Audrey Hepburn, to plant a garden is to believe into tomorrow, which I think is so great. It's such a hopeful thing to to yeah. garden, to to plan ahead, to to do gamble that this is all going to work out and this is going to grow. It's such an optimist's hobby. It it depends on optimism. I love it. So tell me now, this is a food preservation podcast. What does saving seeds and maybe building a seed swap for your area, what does that have to do with food preservation? Yeah. So at its core, gardening, saving seeds and growing food is all about quality. And so is food preservation. So you can purchase something from the grocery store, a food item. Mm Mm-hmm. But I can almost guarantee you it will not be as good as the food that you can grow in your own garden. Mm -hmm. A lot of that food has traveled thousands of miles and was probably not picked at peak ripeness so that it could be shelf stable. So at its core, seed saving and growing your own food for food preservation is all about taste and quality for me. Well, yeah, for everybody. Let's say I'm not ready to build a seed swap in my area or help put that event on. What if I just want to start saving seeds just as a brand new beginner? What tips do you have? How do I save seeds? Do you have any resources that you could recommend? Yeah, for my area, there's a really great book. It's called Basic Seed Saving by Bill McDorman. And the website is called rockymountainseeds.org backslash basic seed saving. And it's a really simple book. It's unless you get more than 10 copies. Uh, It's $3 each. But Bill is this amazing resource. He started the Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance and did, you know, seed school where he taught people how to save seeds. But it's a basic primer guide. It's not a huge reference book. It goes through basic seed saving, intermediate and advanced seed saving and why it's so important to save your seeds. And this this is like my favorite book to recommend to people. Uh, that's amazing and affordable. And it's only 48 pages, it looks like. So it's not some huge thing that you won't be able to get through. It's It's quick and effective, it looks like. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. We probably, the Ogden Seed Exchange is its largest purchaser. <laughs> We purchase about 30 or 40 of these, but but we just feel it's super important to get knowledge in people's hands. And for $3, $4, it's totally worth it. There's also a Kindle option. So if you don't need a copy right in your hands, they do have a digital option as well. That's awesome. So if a person was interested in this, do you think maybe just hitting up their local farmer's market would be a good place to meet people who are interested in seed saving, interested in gardening, and so on? Yeah. And I would even reach out and see if maybe your local extension office has something available or if they'd be interested in starting one. There's always interns that are 
you know, finishing up their degree from the local college. Maybe they want to do a thesis project on how to start a local seed swap or something like that. Just getting some type of local backing is really, really important. That is amazing. In your area, what are some options you could see for seed saving? Or are there are there options like that where you live? Well, I think the thing that came to mind is that while my cooperative extension office isn't particularly robust, or I'm sure it's, you know, very minimally staffed. I do know that there is a growing and stronger interest in the farmer's market culture and events. We have a local farmer's market that's every Saturday for several months, and that is typically well attended. So I I have an inkling that in my area, this would be maybe best if partnered with or in tandem with the local farmer's market. Those folks, I think, would be probably just for my area. That would be the best place for that to kind of jump off from. But for our listeners, I think maybe it, it probably would there would be more interest than you might suspect in both participating in and building this. Yeah. We're always surprised. Like I'm always wondering like if people will show up or how many people will show up. And I'm always, always delighted that wow. so many people show up. You have shared so many good tips for how to start such an event and how to participate and how to get started saving seeds on your own. Do you have any other parting pearls of wisdom? Any seeds of wisdom for us, Anna? My only seed of wisdom is just start. Just start where you're at with the little amount of seeds that you can save. Try to find like-minded people wherever that is. You can also find people online probably, like in local seed block groups. There's just so many options. If you knew the amount of varieties of seeds that we're losing every year because, you know, people people don't save them, they they just grow a different variety and then that variety is gone. In this country there used to be Oh, over hundreds of variety of corn. And now there's a small handful. So it's super important that we have this diversity in seeds and that we geek out about seeds. Ugh, I love it. I love how this topic completes the entire food cycle where our mason jars are at the end, right? This is the very beginning. Yeah, exactly. Oh, what a great episode. Thank you so much, Anna, for sharing your expertise. And if you have any more questions about seed sharing or swapping, remember, listeners, you can always email perfectlypreservedpodcast at gmail.com. But thanks, Anna, for sharing your expertise today. I loved it probably more than anybody. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys at the next episode. That's our show. We don't want you to miss an episode, so please be sure to subscribe. If you found this episode helpful and informative, please give our show a rating and review. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps our show grow. Follow us on social media at Smart Home Canning and at The Domestic Wildflower. Email your preserving questions to perfectlypreservedpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer your questions on the show. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode released every week.